You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been cleared for takeoff. Welcome to Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am Tim Capper, along with the bear to my BJ McKay, Cliffy D. What is up? Uh, I have to ask you now. You you got that reference because I'm, I'm wondering how many people are, are looking at their, their uh, looking at their iPhones and their, their Android phones and their computers and saying, "What are you talking about, Cap?" <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. If, if nothing else, I think Google should be cutting us a little something, something, because we're getting people out there. We're getting them checking out all this stuff. That's and like, right. I mean, it wasn't the best of shows. If anybody doesn't know what I'm talking about, do a Google search for BJ and the Bear. Very simple. Very simple. Not many not many references I can make to this one at all, because I've not seen a show, one of those, in a lot, a long, long time. And it's not even on Netflix, I don't think. At least in, in Canada, it's not. I, you'd be hard pressed to find an episode of BJ and the Bear. Maybe there's a few on YouTube. Yeah, or if you've got one of those Android boxes like what I have, and you can find just about just about anything really. Yeah, yeah, those obscure things. I, I agree. Um, where you know what? We're we're gonna start. We would start with the game normally. Uh, you know, in the Thanksgiving Day turkey that was actually played on Monday. Um, and no, that's not a slip of the tongue at all. Um, but we need to talk about the trade deadline that happened today. And the, it was something that, I, you know what, I, you were, I think you sent something to me. I think my, my friend seatmate sent something to me also. And it, it's like we never know. We, we never knew what the Alouettes were thinking of doing. And it depends on who they were going to give away. Because usually when you think of the trading deadline in the CFL, it really, it really doesn't amount to much. It's not like Major League Baseball. The football in the NFL really doesn't mean much. Um so we weren't expecting really anything, right? No, it's not like TSN is going to have a trade center show dedicated to the Canadian Football League. It's that's, just not. That's true. That's true. It's H- not typically a day that people get. Yeah, it's not typically a day where people really get excited and wonder what kind of moves are going to be made. Especially now, too, with the fact that Montreal and Toronto have essentially been eliminated from the Grey Cup playoff picture. Uh, what do you mean? Essentially, you they have. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice here. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But again, I, especially too with this, with so many teams still in playoff contention, you're almost afraid to part with any particular pieces, mm-hmm. especially trading amongst uh, in your division and all that. So it's like I said, Montreal and Toronto would be the only ones, the only teams that could truly make moves. And sure enough, that's more or less what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. First one that came over the wire had to be with was between the uh, Alouettes and the. And the Red Blacks, as you're just saying, uh, within our own division. Uh, Ottawa, they required uh, Canadian linebacker Chris Aki uh, from the Owls. Uh, in exchange, we got a second-round draft pick in 2019. Uh, the other one that came after that was that the Alouettes traded... Uh, they traded... I'm trying to find... Uh, offensive National offensive lineman Philip Blake and national fullback Patrick Lavoie 
From the Montreal Alouettes, in exchange, the Riders have sent national-wide receiver Joshua Stanford and a second-round selection in the 2020 CFL draft to Montreal. Um, now, to me, Cliff, this... I mean, this is an Alouettes team that basically has either gotten draft picks in the supplemental draft, given away their draft pick for supplemental draft pick, which I think that was positive, the guy that we got. I can't I can't fault that. Uh-huh. Uh, but we traded, who knows what we traded away when it came for Manziel. That's basically it right there. And we've had so many of these other trades also. But we, you know, we don't have a, a first round draft pick until 2022. Right. So we're getting some second round draft picks, which is a huge plus. A huge plus because, you know, I'm trying to think of, you know, usually if you get a number one pick, you know, as we've seen recently, you know, Hamilton's number one pick decided to sign with the with the Alliance of American Football. And a lot of these guys don't necessarily, they may go to the NFL or they have, they're more prone to go to the NFL than they are to come to the CFL. And the CFL would be a secondary option for them if they, if they don't get through training camp. Um, so I, I think getting a second round draft pick is a plus. You know, with the ones we gotten for Sutton, we got a, we got a, that's another one there that we received from BC. That's for next year, and then we have a, the conditional sixth, um, which could be a fifth. So, when you heard these these names, I, I what was your thought? I mean, were you afraid that it could have been more people? Do you afraid that it can be quote unquote bigger names? Because you know, to me, I I, I heard these things and I was thinking, okay, meh. I mean, I know the names. They're good players. I mean, Philip Blake, for one, I mean, I don't know how well he's done considering how bad the O-line's been this year. Aki, as you and I were talking offline, I agree with you, is that that's the surprising one. Yeah. It's surprising in the sense that he's really blossomed as a player, especially this year. I mean, he's really stood out on this Alouette's defense. Both he and Mahina Mwamba, I would say, have been the the superstars, if you will, of the Alouette's defense, which, depending on who you ask, may or may not be the most complimentary thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Aki yeah, had, had 106 tackles, I think. Yep. That That's going to hurt. That's going to hurt. Uh, yeah, and they uh, actually uh, scored his first CFL touchdown this year against Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the pick six. Yep. So, uh, again, he's a tremendously exciting player. Yeah, I, I was very excited when he was drafted uh Back in 2015, and I just knew that, in given the given the time and chance to develop, he's going to become a real player. And sure enough, that's what happened this year. So on first first blush, of course, you're like, why the hell would Montreal trade him? But he is also a free agent at the end of the season. Exactly. And- that's uh, I was wanting you to say that because yeah, I, I agree because uh, the Owls are going to are hoping to get something for nothing. Sort of similar to what they did with the with the. Uh, uh, Sutton trade. Yeah. So, uh, again, there's no guarantee that Chris Aki would have signed an extension or, you know, anything could have happened once the offseason started. So I think in this, in a case like this, if you haven't already put pen to paper with this guy, then your best bet is, especially at this point, too, now that Montreal is no longer in the playoff picture, see what you can get. Get get as many assets as you can. And, again, Chris Aki, now he's going to go to Ottawa, uh, they stand a very good chance to do well in the playoffs. Uh, just being in the first place uh, of the Eastern Division, if, it, if everything stays the way it is, then they could end up hosting the Eastern Final. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a, a a great destination for a lot of people right now. So I'm sure Chris is going to be very excited about going to a contender and possibly playing for a great cup. So, I mean, kudos for him. I mean, that's, that's definitely fantastic for him. Yeah. 
Um, also, too, once free agency hits, anything ca- can happen. Conceivably, who knows? Maybe he even signs back to Montreal. Could you imagine, essentially, if, if that were to happen, you'd basically be getting an asset. Mm-hmm. And getting a re- draft pick. Th- that, that's it. To basically rent out a, a guy for, what, a month and a, not even two months? Yeah. That's actually not a bad thing. That's study could do the exact same thing. Sure, we don't want to get a six rounder for him, but we'd still get a fifth. We, you know, we get him back, and it's free agency is a fickle thing. It's, it's not like I mean, free agency is very different. I, I really think in the CFL than it is versus, versus any other a major league sport. Mm-hmm. I mean, but yes, and even in baseball, you have these guys who, who you're going to you're going to rent. You know, like like Jay Happ. You know, he went from from the Jays to the Yankees, and as and they don't know if he's if they're going to keep him next year. Nope, that's it. So again, I, I think at this point, you know, with Montreal not being the pitcher, I wasn't expecting them to completely clean house. But I, it, it's you just never know with trade day, trade deadline day is what's going to happen. Right. But, I mean, if you if you're able to pick up a few extra assets as a result. At this point, you've got nothing to lose. And also, too, it does free up opportunities for other players to play. So now with Chris Aki gone, uh, one, one name that immediately springs to mind to me is Jean-Gabriel Poulet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was drafted this year by the Alouettes in the third round, I believe it was. And he's been an outstanding special teams player in his rookie seasons. But he is a natural linebacker. And with these next three games... Let's put him in there. Let's see what he can do. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what you see. So sometimes it takes an opportunity like this to see where your next great player is going to come from. So as much as I would have preferred to see another linebacker be moved, here this is where we're at right now. So Aki is going to move on. And if that opens up the opportunity for another young player to step in and see what, uh, what he can bring to the table, then that too has its positives as well. Yeah. Um, what about the other trade itself? I, I think it hasn't, if you check uh, Patrick Lavoie's uh, uh, football trading card, I think he has a, his the Alouette's name is on there a few times. So <laughs> um, what, what's your what's your thought on losing those other two players? Uh, as far as uh, Lavoie goes, I'm uh, again, I, I do think he's a, a very talented player, but I don't think he's been used correctly. In fact, uh, I don't think. I think it's been a long time since the Alouettes have been able to effectively use a fullback properly, especially with this offense being what it has been these past couple years. Uh, it's so easy for a, a fullback to get kind of lost in the mix. Uh, Lavoie was originally drafted by the Alouettes uh, as a fullback. It was expected to be a big part of the offense. That didn't work out. Uh, he got hurt and ended up going to the Red Blacks as part of the uh, expansion draft. Uh, yeah. As a result, uh, Jean-Christophe Beaulieu ended up uh, becoming the next fullback, and he too was woefully underused uh, to the point where he ended up being traded to the Red Blacks for <laughs> Patrick Lavoie. This <laughs> comparison of this uh, that was told to me once was, imagine having a 2010 Toyota Corolla, and you basically trade it in on Kijiji, and you get a 2003 Corolla. So, I mean, again, this is not a knock on Pat Lavoie, because I do think he is a very talented football player. And again, he has won a great cup with the, uh, the red blacks as well. So we know he, had, he, he was expected to bring that sort of championship experience to the Alouettes this year. Uh, but I just don't think it really worked in this particular offense that right. Kari Jones is running. So I think Lavoie has been a good contributor, but really hasn't stood out uh, the way that I think a lot of people were expecting him to. So 
now he just might get that chance in in Regina. So I I hope so for his sake because definitely a great guy. Uh, Philip Blake as well. I'm a little surprised about because can Montreal really afford at this point to give away offensive linemen? But be that as it may, ah, this is a chance to again allow some other younger players to shine. Uh, that's the hope, anyways. Uh, Philip Blake though still has a lot to give a football team. Uh, he's still. He's only 32 years old. He still has a few years left in him. Uh, even though he's got a few kilometers on him, he's still playing at a very high level. Uh, he still is, as far as I'm concerned, one of the best national offensive linemen in the league. So I think Regina and Zach Caleros especially is going to appreciate him because even though he's typically a guard, he's been playing tackle quite a bit and protecting the blind side as much as possible. Uh, so I think Zach Caleros is going to definitely appreciate having this guy in front of him, whether as a guard or as a tackle. Uh, yeah, I think uh, the way, uh, as tough as it is to lose players, I think you got to look at the bigger picture. And I think uh, I, I think for me, this may end up being a better thing in the long run, especially too when you consider you're getting more draft picks. And also, they also added uh, Joshua Stanford, yeah, who is younger, uh, a young receiver, and another national player as well. So that's always a positive as far as I'm concerned. Underutilized, though. I mean, his stats aren't that. Aren't, aren't that impressive for those who may have went ahead and checked what his stats were. No, I, but again, I'm going to chalk it up to the fact that he's 24 years old. So, I mean, he's still got a lot of growing to do. Uh, again, a, a very high ceiling. Uh, you take a look at the other national receivers on this team, uh, like George Johnson, Malcolm Carter. Uh, I, I mean, like these are young guys that just need that opportunity. And I think that's going to be, to me, that's going to be the key is just how well are the Alouettes going to be able to incorporate these guys into the offense especially too since with there only being three games left like you got to start seeing what you have in your war chest as far as uh, weapons go right and to me like ernest jackson it's not he's very hot and cold when it comes to receptions uh eugene lewis sort of the same thing i, I guess you can say this about pretty much all the receivers on, on the alouettes in 2018 it's just you just never know who you're going to get like no one's been truly consistent as far as play goes uh with the exception of B.J. Cunningham, but even then, even though he's leading, still leading the team in receiving yards, he too just seems to get overlooked more often than not. So it really comes down to who's, who you have in your lineup and being able to utilize them properly. With that in mind, why not put a couple of these Canadian receivers in and see what you got with those guys? Because, I, again, I've seen these guys in action, at, in, not just in, in training camp, but also in practices as well. And... There is some definite talent there. It's just a matter of giving them the opportunity to play when the lights come on. And right. I think that's going to be really crucial. And again, you could say the same thing about Joshua Stanford is maybe in the right system, he can flourish. And only time will tell if Montreal is going to be that system, if they're willing to properly develop someone of his talents. But again, you're dealing with someone that's a lot younger and has potential to grow. So I'm really curious to see how this is going to pan out for the Alouettes. I think if you want to call this a fire sale, so be it. But I don't think this is a fire sale by any stretch. I think you, this is more about maximizing your returns. And I think for the most part, the Alouettes did a pretty good job of that in getting not just these draft picks, but also a young national player as well. Yeah, I, I actually agree with you. I, I, you know, you see all these things on third and three down nation talking about fire sale, fire sale. Shut the fuck up. I mean, really. Look. You know, it's this is this is not this was not a fire sale. The Expos of '95 that was a fire sale. 
the Florida Oof. Marlins that have gone through it more than umpteen times, especially after winning a World Series. That was a fire sale. This was in no way a fire sale. If this would have been a fire sale, Manziel would have been gone. Uh, and any of our wide receivers could have been gone. Uh, you know, John Bowman could have been gone. Chip Cox, even though I heard that they were, you know, they may have been on the block. Also, our teams were asking about them. This is in no way a fire sale. None. No. no. And and again, you're, you're not getting rid of these guys for pennies on the dollar. That's what a yeah. fire sale is. Yeah. I, I think if anything, like I'm sure people, I'd be very, very surprised to find out that nobody was asking about guys like Ernest Jackson uh, or G- Eugene Lewis or you know any, any of these. Yeah, like, like yeah, a lot I mean, of these people want to know about fire sale. If you don't know about the Montreal Expos, go back and see what they, who they traded, and how they traded, and how they let some of these their their star players go from that, uh, which would have been a a, a world championship, uh, World Series team. Go back and check. Go go back and check. See what the transactions were and what they gave away for pennies. They got really nobody back. Yeah, nobody. A whole lot of nothing. Yeah, and but the Owls, yes, the Owls got something that they did need after trading away all of their first round draft picks or, or getting rid of their first round draft picks for whatever reason. They get they were able to pull in some second round draft picks and hopefully get some quality Canadians and bring them in to start immediately. And, mm-hmm. and you know they got to rebuild. They're going with an all Canadian again. They're going again. They're going with an all Canadian O line, which is something that they haven't done in uh, four years, five years, something like that. Mm-hmm. So fire sell, also fire sell my butt. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's the thing, especially like with the Canadian drafts. I mean, the, all the draft picks have to be considered. I mean, yeah, it's on first glance, giving away your first round draft picks isn't a good look, but. Now they're acquiring second round picks and third round picks and fourth round picks. I mean, these are where a lot of these building block picks happen. Like a lot of the the names that sort of fly under the radar or don't once you get past those initial like, you know, I'll say even like the top 20. So, I mean, that's basically the first two rounds of the draft right there. That's not to say the other players aren't as good. It's just that they just weren't ranked as highly. There's still a lot of quality talent out there. And then it just becomes a matter of once again nurturing that talent like it's one thing to be able to sign this kid from whatever university and yeah he, he was a he was a stud in college but once you get to the, the the pros it's a it's a whole different story but a lot of that comes down to this coaching staff being able to foster that talent and really do something with it so that's always the hope and again i, I think that's where montreal needs to take a good long look at what they have and what they need to get and just keep building on that so in this case, yeah, you moved on from a player who, like as I said, Philip Blake still has a lot of years left in him, but not a young man anymore, and right. definitely a, a little war torn with a few injuries and things like that. Uh, Patrick Lavoie, same idea. He's got championship experience, but also too not a young man anymore. So for everybody that was bagging on the Alouettes because a lot of their old, they still have a lot of older players. They are trying to get younger. That's the point. A lot of guys are going to be taking their retirement this year. John Bowman is going to be retiring. Uh, Luc Bredor Jodin is more than likely going to be retiring. Uh, I could go on. There's a couple of other players, too, that uh, haven't said anything initially. But, I mean, you just take a look at their age and their their performance over the past couple of years, and you have to wonder just how much longer are they going to be a part of this team. So this, the, the, the chance to get younger is through the draft. And... If you've got as many draft picks as possible, that means you're bringing in more young talent that's going to grow with the team, hopefully develop into good football players. And that is how you 
that's how you get back on top. That's how you rebuild, reload for the future and get ready for what's hopefully going to be a successful football, a successful football team for years to come. Yeah. And it's, it's funny, you know what, what we get, yes, we don't know, you know, basically the draft picks that we're getting and trying to use a, a, they're, um, they're basically, (laughs) I could use an analogy from Forrest Gump, you know, it's a, you know, life's like a box of chocolates, life's like a box of chocolates that you don't know what you're going to get. And if anybody who happens to, to to buy Funko Pops and stuff this year, it's like getting a mystery box. You do, you pay the money, but you don't know what you're going to be getting until you actually open it. So it could be a positive thing for what the Alouettes are getting, because it, it you know we the Alouettes have gained quite a few of these pet, of these picks already. I mean, better it's, it's a lot better than what we had, right, Cliff? I mean, we are basically <laughs> for the first God, first two rounds for the last couple for the next two seasons where we were having nothing. That's basically what it seemed like. It, it looked bleak, and again, you take a look at what we, we what we gave up. Yeah. So yes, no Tyrell Sutton, which is disappointing, but we got a draft pick out of it. Right. Well, two actually, we're getting two draft picks out of that. Uh, no Philip Blake, no Patrick Lavaud, no Chris Hackey. Again, for the reasons I stated, it's disappointing, but I mean, totally understandable given the circumstances. But again, you're reloading getting more picks and this is addition to the picks that you already have mm. like everybody wants to harp on the fact that montreal essentially forfeited next year's first round draft pick and then gave away the next two after that to the hamilton tiger cats okay fine if you want to you know fine that's they did that that's that there's no denying that it's it's clear that's the, those are the moves they made but you still have a lot more draft picks and once again first round draft picks it it's such a crapshoot i mean Again, even the first overall pick, nothing's guaranteed with that. Right. I mean, when I think of the first round draft picks, like first overall picks, which Montreal may or may not have, will be getting this year. A lot depends on how the the series with Toronto, the home and home series with Toronto goes. That'll determine who gets the first overall pick, so to speak. Uh, Again, when you talk about those first overall picks, there's only one that really has stood out over the past 10 years. Do you know who it is? He knocked Mwamba, ah. but Montreal didn't draft him. Winnipeg drafted him, and it took a while for him to really develop and become the for him to become player he is. But now he's doing it for Montreal. So I mean, first overall picks, yeah. In theory, like why would you give that away? But truthfully, there hasn't really been a whole lot of outstanding talent that's been the first overall pick. But a lot of the real mainstay players that you find in the Canadian Football League are those third and fourth round draft pack right. draft picks. Yeah. Those diamonds in the rough that a lot of people just sort of passed over. Uh, we got to see one actually uh, this past Sunday or this past Monday in in, uh, in a Calgary Stampeders uniform. Lamar Durant. This is a kid that should have been a first overall pick or at least a first round pick. And he fell all the way to, I believe, the I think it was the last uh, uh, I think it was the last pick of the second round for Calgary. And it was almost just like a, a throwaway pick for them. Because they're so they were so talented. They've got so many talented receivers already. They could just take this guy who was talented in his own right and just slowly let him develop. And now, again, thanks to a bunch of injuries to their 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 normal star receivers, he's getting a lot more playing time. And you know what? He's a damn good receiver. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you really just never know, folks. Where when it comes to the draft, what's going to happen? Like you can get attached to a certain name or a certain school and expect that whatever player is going to come out from there is going to be an absolute stud. Doesn't always work that way. But then you see this uh, talent that just falls to the third or fourth round, 
And guess what? Montreal's got two picks in this round, for example. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, know, you can uh, you can get creative. You can force teams to maybe make a deal because they too probably think that okay, if Montreal's looking at this guy, there must be some real talent there. So maybe we got to draft him before Montreal does, and then you make your moves and you start trading, and then you get some of those other solid pieces as well. So that's to me what trade deadline day is all about: is all the potential of good things possibly happening, and it. Again, I, I just hope that that's the case because we did lose a lot of really good players. But if it means that you're building towards something better, then you got to look at the positive of it. That's that's just how I feel. Yeah, uh, but we'll see how it goes. And I, you know, I understand. You know, it's it's now four straight seasons, which is, which is a franchise record for the you know the most consecutive seasons without going to the playoffs. Uh, possibly, you know, we have two seasons right now, two, you know, 15 losses. We're still three wins over the last, you know, uh, uh, each of the last two seasons. It's, it's, you know, things, I understand how it looks, but people just need to, just need to look at this in, in a certain way. And it's not always the, you know, the, the team, it's not always Cavus. It's not always, it's, things are done for a particular reason. You know, it's, you know, you may think they were a dumpster fire now, but, if the Owls do happen to get things together and they do contend next year for a playoff spot, uh, you, you, I'm sure those fans will just change their minds immediately. You, it, it won't. It, it'll, they'll do a complete 180. You know what they said that, this year compared to you know if, if they do it next year. And that's the beautiful thing about the Canadian Football League is sometimes it just takes one year for everything to completely turn around. So let's talk about the the game on because there's a lot more stuff. <laughs> yes, there's no game this week obviously we because we're on a buy working on a few things and we hope to. Uh, uh, we'll announce those a little bit later on once we have uh, everything's uh, nailed down. But let's talk about the game. Uh, the Thanksgiving Day, Day game where uh, Bo Levi comes into town. He has not, he had not won a game at Percival Molson. Uh, Calgary just did not seem to be a, a team, no matter how good or bad the Alouettes were, could not do right in Montreal. And through one half of football... It actually looked that way, the exact same way that the Alouettes were once again on the right track. Six nothing is still a lead. It's after one half. You know, uh, it's it's better than nothing. But the problem is, at the end of the day, Cliff uh, Calgary scores ten points in the ten or twelve, twelve points, twelve points in the fourth, mm-hmm. and beat the Alouettes twelve six. Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know where to go from here because as P- if anybody follows me on Twitter uh, and this is basically it is that the Alouette's offense was a complete and utter joke this past week. They uh, they basically ruined the what the defense did to hold a a team of Calgary's caliber 11 and 2 coming into the game. Averaging 31 points a game, you know, they, they, they let everybody down. Everybody. You know, from, yeah. you know, Johnny football from one week to the next. Johnny, he went from Johnny foot somebody to Johnny nobody this past week. I'm sorry. <clears throat> because no matter what they did, they couldn't do it. I mean, three interceptions and you still lose. <clears throat> I, 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 I just don't get it. I mean, the defense was there. The defense was the game. That's funny. They were so piss poor quite frankly mm-hmm. against Saskatchewan and they it almost felt it almost felt like to me that they knew how bad they were 
and they were actively trying to be the exact opposite. And they were. It was a, a complete jump from one end of the spectrum to the other as yeah. far as how this defense looked against the Stampeders. Yeah. This Alwitz defense looked amazing on Thanksgiving. And to be able to hold, like, in theory, you could say to yourself, wow, you hold the Calgary Stampeders to 12 points? That's pretty impressive. <laughs> I don't think any team has done that this season. I, I think that's probably the, like, their worst output offensively uh, this year. I, it has to be. I, I, I'm struggling to think right now, but I think pretty oh, much. You mean, you mean points-wise? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, it is. So, I mean, that sounds impressive. Like, you were able to hold the Stampeders to 12 points. Normally, that would win you the game. The only problem is you got to score more than you got to score more points than your opponents to win a football game. And uh, I, I said this, I, I find a nickel for every time I said this, I'd, I'd have a lot of nickels, but you can't win just kicking field goals. And you sure as hell can't win just kicking two field goals. Yeah. Not in this league. And uh, again, Montreal is just not that good of a team that they can afford to coast by and let Boris Bede score all the points. It, it just doesn't work that way. And, my God, Tim, this this offense was just terrible. I mean, yes, Johnny Manziel threw for 250 yards. That's fantastic. Uh, his quarterback rating was better than Bo Levi's. Absolutely. He only turned the ball over once yeah. compared to Bo Levi's uh, three turnovers. But you still didn't find the end zone. I mean, where, where was the Johnny Manziel that was you know doing the razzle-dazzle and throwing flea flicker touchdowns and scampering for 25-plus yards and setting up guys like Ernest Jackson to score. Where was that Johnny Manziel? Because that Johnny Manziel played his ass off against the Riders and for the most part looked pretty solid. This Manziel just did not. And yeah, yeah the, the, the same excuses that were said have been said all year when it comes to Johnny Manziel is they applied again here. Well, the receivers aren't can, catching the balls. The O-line's not protecting. Sure. Yeah, those are all very good points. But Manziel himself just looked, he, he didn't look any better than what Drew Willie did on his best day or Jeff Matthews or any of the other quarterbacks. He didn't look any, like you could have put any of those other guys out there and still gotten that same you know, lackluster performance. Right. And I will admit, I mean, I, I think, I don't think uh, we found out late, you know, BJ's now, and BJ Cunningham's now on the sixth game, uh, which I think surprises all. Uh, but also, it I think it hurt the Alouette's offense, too. Um, no, to have, to, to have a playmaker like his, uh, of, of his caliber, not in the lineup, it definitely hurts. Yeah. Um, here, are all the, here are all the details. Manzo was 18 to 29, 250, no touchdowns and one pick. Uh, rushing uh, when stand back, stand back. Twelve attempts, sixty-seven yards. I'm I'm happy with these ten plus attempts. I, I think they probably should have given him more, considering that where this. Uh, you know, I know they couldn't. What, what were they averaging? Uh, their average gain was five point two yards. Um, but you know, uh, Mantel five of eighteen. Uh, leading receiver for the Alouettes was uh, there's Bowman, fifty-eight yards on six receptions. Ejac. Uh, six receptions, 56 yards. Eugene Lewis, one reception, 52 yards. <laughs> I tell you, though, one reception, but that was a hell of a reception. Yeah, yeah. Patrick Lavoie, one for 33. Uh, TJ Graham, three for 35. Yeah, I think he was the one there, and, and it was, it, Johnson also was in there also. One thing I noticed, Cliff, I know we were sitting next to each other. I really couldn't – I didn't mention this to you at all, but 
I mentioned this to my seatmate, and I said, uh, uh, whenever the Alouettes had a long pass that got them some basically into good field position to possibly score something, they really didn't do anything with it. Nope. They, I think they were 0 for 3. Oh, they, they, get, they got no points off of turnovers, right? Was it no points off of turnovers or only 3? I can't remember. Only 3. Yeah. And the Alouettes never got into the red zone. Not once. Not the entire game. So, I don't, again, offense, the O-line, again, I think they gave it one, two, three, four, six, six, another six sacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to set a team record, I tell you, dude. Not just set, they're going to shatter it. If they, if they keep on giving up this many per game. And you know what? Again, it comes back to, yeah, Johnny Manziel did not play his best game. But you know what? To, to some degree, he's got to own a lot of it. But at the same time, you got to help your quarterback out. And this has been a recurring theme all season long is this this offensive line has just been a bunch of turnstiles. And defenders are just having a field day. And I'm pretty sure Johnny, too, has got to be saying to himself, what the hell? Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, uh, again, he has not made he's made a, a lot of questionable decisions. Uh, his one INT, that was just that was just awful right there. That was just yeah. not thinking right there. I think right we can there. say for once, Bo Levi's were a hell of a lot worse. <laughs> this is true. But but, but, but the defense and the, the catches that they made, one of the catches to, to make one of the interceptions was absolutely stunning. That would stunning. be, yeah, that would be Chris Ackie, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I guess that was his, uh, that was his reward for uh, playing uh, such an amazing game was to get traded to the Red Blacks. Congratulations. <laughs> You're now a contender. Uh, Dominic Ellis led the team with nine tackles. The Owls had uh, one, uh, four, uh, three sacks. Um, hits, oh man, some of these hits that the Alouettes made. And again, it's just so frustrating, Cliff. I mean, it's, it's such a great defensive performance and it just given up. Uh, Bo Levi, 20 of 34, 199, zero and three, three interceptions. Leading uh, rusher was Jackson for 51 yards. Uh, leading receiver for the uh, for the Stampeders was oh boy, <laughs> uh, is it Breskin? Do you want Breskinen? Breskinen, thank you, Breskinen. Uh, Seventy-eight yards. Uh, Eric Rogers was back. He means he was uh, uh, at the beginning. He was very second half, not really much so. But man, Eric Rogers, you know, he showed his worth. Uh, Ten targets, oh, yeah. six receptions, thirty-eight yards. Uh, Durant thirty six. Uh, grades for the grades for the week. Uh, defense gets a solid A. No question about it. Agreed. They did, they did everything that they could to keep this team in the game, and the offense, which gets an F for me, just just like that letter, completely failed. What would you give the What would you give the uh, the offense? I mean, we're not sure. We're not going to sugarcoat it this week because it's you know. No, honestly, I, I'm sorry. This defense played absolutely terrible. I, again, offense, the only offense defense. Did I say? I'm yes, sorry. You did. <laughs> uh, Freudian slip. Oh, can you just edit that out? <laughs> yes, this offense certainly loved us his name because I was very offended by it. <laughs> again, two field goals is the best you can produce against a Calgary team that, to be quite frankly was doing all it can to just get out of Montreal and not get hurt. Yeah. So, and again, the, uh, you can talk about this Montreal curse that the St. Peter's has every time they come to play in Montreal over the past couple of years, they've just not been able to win. 
the fact that until recently, Bo Levi Mitchell had never won a game at Percival Molson Stadium. Uh, I mean, I, again, I know these things like streaks like, like streaks like these will come to an end at some point. But I mean, this was just terrible. Like there was just nothing, absolutely nothing. So I yeah, mean, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to, to hold F them. is. We can't give them an incomplete because it, that, that maybe that shows that they had, you know, unfortunately, there's nothing lower than an F. I mean, you could give them an incomplete. No, you can't. They completed the game and <laughs> they blew it big time. Yeah. Like this, this was an epic fail yeah. on, on, on all on all facets when it comes to this offense. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the quarterback, the, the running game, uh, the receivers, uh, everybody, everybody who is an offensive player for the Alouettes. Did not earn their paycheck. Yeah. I don't care whether you're Johnny Manziel or William Stanbeck or Christian Matt or whoever the hell. Whoever, if you were on offense this week, you blew it. This was a Calgary team that I, I'm, I'm, I'll go so far as to say they probably didn't even want to play this game. They've got their playoffs positions sewn up. They don't want to get anybody hurt. They don't want to risk Bo Levi Mitchell getting hurt or any of these other. Like they, they're dealing with so many injury issues as it is right now, and thankfully they've got so much depth that they they're going to go through without skip, really missing a beat. This was a Calgary team, and again, you shut them out for three quarters. Oh, I know, I know. Like what in God's name is this? Like this is uh, I can't begin to put into words. I don't think the Alouettes have ever shut out the Stampeders. For, th- for three straight quarters. I, I think I did the math and I, I double-checked our, my Bible, uh, my Alouette's Bible. And they had shut them out through a half before. This was the fifth game where they had shut them out in a half. What's funny is that they're th- only the three and two in those games. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, I also, another thing. Another thing that hurts also. 14, 14 uh, penalties for 145 yards. Come on. I mean, what other what other stat does this team need to lead to to be the worst in the league about or quote unquote lead the league in? Hmm. You know, I just yeah, it's frustrating. This this was a very winnable game. Oh, this and, should have been a win. And would it have made a difference in in the playoff picture? No, probably not. But I mean, at least give at least give fans just a, a spoonful of hope. That maybe maybe a miracle would happen. Maybe they could run the table and figure something out and somehow still get in. But no, no, it was it just was not meant to be. Like this is a team that just again keeps chasing its own tail yeah. to no end. Exactly. And it's it, yeah. it's frustrating. There's just no other way to describe it. And as much as I was willing to heap praise on the offense the week before against Saskatchewan and then talk junk about the defense, it completely flipped the script. Now the defense was firing on all cylinders, but this team couldn't find the end zone with Google Maps. Oh, like, nice. it, I liked it. That's good. It, 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 it's unbelievable. Like, and again, all you have to show for that, to shut out Calgary for three quarters, it's two lousy field goals. Like I know they've got a, a, a terrific defense in, in Calgary, but is it really that terrific that like, the best you can do is two lousy field goals? I find that very hard to believe. Yeah. I don't know. First downs, Alouettes uh, are last. First downs. Oppo- uh, opponent first downs, the Alouettes are last because they've given up the most. You know, Sacks allowed, 59. They're 24 away from the next closest team. Penalties, one uh, penalty yards, 1433 leading the league. Two and outs, 90. 90. The next closest team is Saskatchewan at 86. But look, gee, I could swear Saskatchewan's doing a hell of a lot better. Yeah, I, I think... If I'm not mistaken, I think uh, they can sew up a, a home playoff game this weekend. 
And here, here, we're talking about this before. Points off a of turnovers, Cliff. The Alouettes are last in the league at a grand total of 34 points. Ottawa is second to last at 64. Uh, sorry, 62. What does that tell you? Winnipeg's leading the league at 131. <laughs> we just can't have nice things here, Tim. Not, not the last four years. At least not the last four years. So... So we got the answer, uh, really, Cliff, uh, that what the Alouettes are going to be doing with their helmets. It looks like they're going to be sticking with the, the white shell and sticking with, unfortunately, that uh, uh, color by numbers logo on the side. Yep. And, man, that looks ugly. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it either. Just, just you know, stick with, stick with a signature helmet. I don't care. Go with the one you did for, for, the, uh, for the Military Appreciation Day game. At least there's something. Yep. I don't know. <sighs> it, um, yeah. What, what was your What was your thought for the first ever uh, kids' day game? It was pretty cool. It looked like uh, you know, it certainly looked like uh, there was a lot of activities going on. Uh, I'm not sure, uh, you know, how many kids were able to partake in it, and if it really did make an impact, if it made a difference for any of the youngins that were there, mm-hmm. if that really stoked the fire to go see more football games. Yeah. But uh, it was pretty neat. Uh, I will say one thing though the the tailgate was pretty epic. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Deep-fried turkey, bud. Really? Yes, sir. With all the fixings, too. Nice. Uh, they were nice. frying up a whole bunch of turkeys, too. So, I mean, that was I thought you, phenomenal. I thought, you gonna, I thought you were going to praise being able to meet your, your favorite stars from uh, uh, whatever, whatever it could, from the kids' channels. Well, listen, Ninja Turtles is cool and all, but I mean, like... <gasps> oh, my God, man. They were in the stadium and they had pizza. Who would have thought? Oh, my God. <laughs> I thought, yeah, actually, yeah. It sounds like I'm being sarcastic. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. And they had the cool Ninja Turtles too, like uh, Leonardo and Donatella. Like, uh, say what you will. Like, they never—they were never the popular ones when I was growing up. But man, those were those were my guys. Those were the cool Ninja Turtles, as far as I was concerned. So I was very happy to see them in action, right, in Montreal. Yeah, um, I know my my nephew loved it. My nephew loved it. He he was there on a five dollar ticket and he loved it. I mean, it's uh, Alouette's announced sixteen. Okay, so they announced 16. But, you know, it's, it's you know, first of all, it just seems to be the Johnny Menzel, you know, bandwagon seems to be cooling off. Um, I think so. I think uh, I think the blooms kind of come off that rose because, yeah, it's exciting to see Johnny Menzel, or at least it was, but he also won football games, and that was part of the excitement too. And I think fans are starting to realize that, hey, he can't win games all by himself. That's right. Especially when so, his butt's on the turf. That's just it. Like people want to see him throw touchdowns and make the money sign. They don't want to see him, as you said, get his butt thrown to the ground, or they don't want to see him walk away dejected because he just got picked off again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, the the hype and everything has kind of calmed down, and the fact too that uh, we don't see, we don't really see or hear a whole lot from him either, as far as uh, like I don't expect him to be a part of the community necessarily, but. Uh, I mean, you only really seem to hear from him on game days. So, I mean, I, I don't know why that he doesn't want to make himself more public and try to draw a little bit more attention that way. Yeah. I, I mean, unless it's unless it's about bitching about his uh, lack of playing time, which isn't a factor anymore. Not anymore. So, uh, not anymore. I mean, if, if you want to be the star of this franchise, I mean, this you gotta you gotta put yourself out there and right. not just on game days. So, I think as a result, a lot of fans that may have bought into the hype initially. I think you're right. I think a lot of them have kind of cooled down a little bit and realized that, okay, he's just another quarterback. And at this point, 
it may be the team too, but he's also not a very good quarterback either. So yeah, uh, I can say that um, I was approached by the Alouettes this uh, this week at the game. Um, we're hoping to have some information and an interview with them shortly on some uh, what. I, uh, some, what seem to be some changes for the 2019 season. I, I, I can't really say anything much more because I really don't know much more uh, other than that they did reach out to us uh, so we can uh, at least get the information to you, the fans, and let you know why they're making these changes or adding these things or whatever they're going to be doing. And uh, But uh, we'll uh, stay tuned to social media and uh, we'll, we'll keep you up to date. Um, also, very interesting news that was a complete and utter surprise, and we've I have reached out again to the to the team to find out some information. Uh, it broke by Vernon Adams's uh, on so on his social media accounts that he has been his contract has been extended for another two years for the Montreal Alouettes. That's fantastic. That is beyond fantastic. the The issue to me though is is why hasn't the team said anything? Even Rick Moffat today did say that even though the Alouettes have not announced it. That CFLers inside CFLer inside CFLers do know that can confirm that that is also the case. So I've reached out to the team to see if we can get some more information because to me that is a huge plus, and I don't know why you wouldn't want to um, promote that. Um, you know, it, it was done. It was done before the game and before the bye week. So I, I would think that you know there really doesn't. Why have you know you can still announce it. You can still announce it, even though if you want to go into to shutdown mode, technically for the week. I mean, so, but that, that I don't get. That I don't get. Alouettes yeah. also added some more players to their practice roster, but they also released some players too. Uh, Caleb Ham, which is Tracy Ham's son, he was released. Um, but what I'm finding is interesting, it's not really mentioned though. Uh, some of these teams are, are now signing players to futures contracts. And I'm trying to remember the last time, if ever, that I saw that being done in the CFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's not something we see a whole lot of. It's not very often. Uh, trying to think of any instances where the Alouettes may have done it in previous years, and I know they have. I just can't think of anyone off the top of my head that. Uh, uh, I think the only one, the one that kind of sticks out for me, would be Jerry Rice Jr. I think was signed to a futures contract. Okay. Okay. Because he was originally added to the practice roster at one point, then released, yep. but then he was signed to a futures contract. Okay. Okay. There so, we go. which basically I guess was just to retain his rights. And then bring him back to training camp. I think that's uh, that's the one name that sort of sticks out for me. I'm, I'm sure there's other, been others in the past as well. And when we were talking about this between you and I, yeah. and one thing I brought up was I can't help but wonder if this is because as a result of the uh, Alliance of American Football is going to be starting up in February, and they're still looking and signing players, and that is still very much an opportunity for a football player to go and pursue their dream potentially, at least for now. I mean, it's going to be the first year for the French, for the for the league, so we don't know long term how it's going to pan out. But it's still there; it's still something to think about. And I'm pretty sure that like a lot of CFL teams now are probably looking and saying to themselves that they've got to get if there's a player that they really believe in, if they're really high on a particular young player, then they've got to get him under contract somehow to basically sew up sew up his rights. So I think this is where now you're seeing a lot of these futures contracts. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely think this is a good thing. For the players, because at least they know that they'll be a part of a team, and two, it helps the teams protect their their property, right, so to right. speak. Uh, to me, uh, I I can only see positives to it, and for sure for a lot of uh, your your typical fans, 
they won't recognize half these names, and there's still no guarantee any of these names could become stars. But you're always going to find one or two of these diamonds in the rough. And I always say you you find these players out of nowhere, and you know that they've got the talent. Then you got to keep you do what you can to keep them, especially when you know that there's a rival league down south that is paying in American dollars and potentially could be paying a lot more than what they would in CFL terms, especially yeah. with CFL paying Canadian dollars, no less. If you've got someone that you believe in, then you got to you can't screw around. You, you got to sign this guy and develop him properly. That, uh-huh. that that's your job as a Canadian Football League team is yeah. to develop talent. Yeah, no, I I agree. I agree. Um, so it, yeah, so as I said, got some more players. Some are being released. Some have some prizes. You know, Vernon Adams is being activated to the to the uh, to the to the uh, to the active roster. That was a surprise. You know, BJ putting being put on there. Ryder Stone. Uh, you name. Just look look at the list of the players that that are currently on the six game injuries list. It's unbelievable. So, just, I mean, injuries are are going to affect any team, no matter what. Uh, I, I just finished talking about how Calgary, a lot of their top receivers are are injured. A lot of their offensive linemen seem to go down every week. Uh, uh, the defense too. Like this, the way they keep reloading, and it, it's all with guys that you just you wouldn't know them from a hole in the wall. Right. But man, they can play. And again, the the, the way that Calgary just manages to reload themselves with talent over and over and over again is, is phenomenal. I, I, I got, I got to say like, this is why you, you can't spend enough money when it comes to getting that talent. And I'm not just talking about necessarily talent on the field, but finding those coaches, those scouts that just know where to find players like this. The, these guys are worth their weight in gold. And uh, there was a time when Montreal was that team, when Jim Pop was able to find those those players in the you know Northwestern Southern University, and you, you you wouldn't recognize the name for anything. Or, but man, the guy could play, and that's where you found a lot of these guys like S. J. Green and Bear Woods, and so on and so forth over the years. And people talk about just you know how talented these guys are. I'm like, well, at one point these guys were nobodies on the practice roster, just waiting for their chance. And this is where Montreal needs. This is what Montreal really needs to get back to is being that team that finds these no name players that were just overlooked. They were not bad players. They're just overlooked because there's X number of player uh, next X number of roster spots down south that they got to come up to Canada and and prove their worth. Mm-hmm. Montreal's got to go back to being that team that finds those guys again and develops them and makes them into superstars. To me, that's that's gonna be that's gonna be more important right now than trying to get a, a flashy name player. But again, what do I know? I just you know happen to watch the team and I've watched them for twenty plus years and I, I saw what worked and I'm seeing now what's not working and I just hope that Montreal can get back to uh, back to the way things were in as far as like player development and talent recruitment go. Hope springs eternal. This is true. That's that's the beautiful thing is that every year you you, you hit the reset button and you hope this is the one that's going to work out. This is the the quest and you hope that it, they see it through and they succeed on that quest. Yeah, yeah. Let's not let's not make 2019 the drive for the, the drive of five, meaning five <laughs> years without the playoffs. You know, so we we need to do something. I mean, they just need to show that they can make make changes during the off season, and then, you know, let's have a positive. You know, let, let's let's see what happens over the, the last three games. Maybe we can make something positive and go out go out on a high note. 
Well, listen, as it stands right now, they've got three wins, which is what they had la- all all of last year. Yeah, you're gonna be playing Toronto twice, and I tell you what, I no matter how bad things look in Montreal, Toronto hasn't exactly looked like world beaters either, and that's with experienced people like Jim Pop and Mark Tressman at the helm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it must be frustrating for 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 uh, for the Argo fans that that love the team that you know to become the tenth team in CFL history since nineteen fifty eight to go from winning a Grey Cup to not making the playoffs the next season that that's got to that's got to burn. Yeah, it's it's definitely got to be frustrating. And again, it's it's not like Toronto was so spectacular last year. They just happened to be the best of a very sorry bunch when it comes to the uh, the Eastern Division. And again. They just had to be the right place at the right time. They won the Grey Cup, so kudos to them for that. But uh, everything just came crashing down to earth. But again, for all the Alouettes fans that were you know, upset because the Alouettes didn't try to get Mark Tressman back and they let Jim Pop go and all that, I'm like, well, just because they were able to get back together and win a Grey Cup in Toronto doesn't mean things, like, doesn't mean things are going to necessarily go your way all the time. I mean, now you could probably blame the fact that Ricky Ray got hurt as one of the reasons why Toronto isn't exactly, uh, you know, the team they were la- even last year. Uh-huh. But, man, I I kind of feel for them in a way because, I mean, like, I know there's a lot of talented players on that team, uh, a lot of former Alouettes as well that, you know, I, I hope they do well. And that and I just can't believe how they just the Argos just haven't been able to get things going like the Alouettes either. And everybody focuses on Montreal being the dumpster fire, just simply because Jim Pop and Mark Tressman are in Toronto and they can do no wrong when they're together. At least that's the idea, the narrative behind it. But uh, they're not a whole lot better than what Montreal is record-wise. And I, I think this series coming up, this home-and-home home series with the Argos and the Alouettes, it truly will determine that, I guess, first overall pick, so, so to speak, even though Montreal technically has forfeited theirs. I... Uh, I'm really curious to see just how it all turns out. If Montreal could actually get another win or two to better their three and fifteen record of last season, uh, it's kind of sad. But that seems to be the goal right now: is to at least get one more win, at least be just a little bit better than that team. But uh, I guess yeah, we'll this see. is where we're at now. Yeah, we'll see. Don't forget, we are on social media. There are multiple places where you can find us. Uh, probably the best couple of places to do is to head over to Twitter, where it's over at the Alouette's FL Deck, or over to our Facebook page. It's at look at just look up Alouette's Flight Deck, and then there are multiple places uh, on your local uh, podcast aggregators where you can listen to the entire history and archive of the Alouette's Flight Deck since its beginning. Humble beginnings, but probably the best place is to head over to AlouettesFlightDeck.ca, or you can head over to iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher or Spotify. Uh, there's no game this week, but we are working hard to try to come up with something for the show next week. Um, we have a couple of ideas, and we're hoping that they come to come to fruition. Um, but uh, as I said, we got uh, one home game left. That's in two weeks, three weeks, three weeks, three weeks, three weeks. Uh, last, la- uh, last Sunday in October. <laughs> That's the best way of putting it. So, uh, so Cliff, what are you going to do on your, uh, your, your week off? Gosh, I, I really don't know. I, I mean, the, no football. Like this weekend, this coming weekend, there's really no football for me to watch other than like maybe college football. But uh, I mean, the 49ers don't play until next Monday. So the Alouettes don't play at all. It's like as far as pro football goes, like, gosh, maybe I'll have a no. beer. 
you are just con- what? you are a connoisseur. No, you have some beer. The <laughs> I, I guess I could give that a try. I could have some beers and uh, I could talk about them. And yeah, why don't I do that? Why not? I, I will do that. that what about good. you? What about you, Tim? What's what? Uh, I have no clue. <laughs> Try- oh wait, you're married. Your life is over. So. No, that's. Uh, <laughs> we're uh, we're still going to be trying to after this. We're both of us are still going to be trying to get a, a, a guest for next week. That's what we're still. That's what we're going to be doing this week. Yes, we are going to focus on that, and we are going to bring the awesome. Because again, folks, I have to remind you all that we still are looking for nominations to be considered as the best podcast account for the CFL Twitter Awards. Uh, if you're looking for more information on that, uh, head over to at CFLT Awards. Uh, please, if you can spare a second to vote for us as uh, here at the LOS Flight Deck as the favorite podcast account, we would definitely, definitely appreciate it. Uh, we've got we've gotten quite a few nominations, and uh, again, we can't thank you folks enough. Uh, we would definitely really appreciate everyone who thinks of us and nominates us. Uh, but please keep spreading the word. Get Get the word out to everybody so that everybody gets a chance to vote. Yeah, and, and, uh, and what's the hashtag? Yeah, the hashtag would be uh, FAV Podcast ACCT. Uh, if you again, if you have if you're not sure how to go about doing it, just follow us at Alouettes FL Deck. We'll show you the way, or just go over to at CFLT Awards, and they'll too show you how to properly vote for. Well, there's a few different categories uh, going on, but uh, if you can just think of us for the best podcast account once again tim and i would definitely definitely appreciate it For sure. because we the past two years it's been uh eskimo empire pod uh, that's been winning that award and no disrespect to those guys because I, I love them dearly but i think they got they got a share now it's it they've had their glory now it's time for us to take that glory mm-hmm. for at, at least one year i think they can afford i think they can spare it so yeah if if you folks can get out there and just help you know get the vote out for us once again it would be truly truly appreciated yeah it would be uh so we will leave it at that we hope everybody has a uh, has a good off week hey you know what St- turn on tsn or rds this week still catch a little bit of this of the cfl follow this great league and and support it up to its run uh, to the playoffs into the great cup so for everybody here at Alouette's flight deck for cliffy d i'm tim capper we're on final approach Take a- Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.